Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, where we go inside and under the flooring industry. Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, and it's a special one today. We've got uh, a man coming off the bench. It's our first double up of the series. Really? Yeah. And I don't know whether it's a worthy double up, but we're going to find out. It's where it all began. It is where it all began. We're going, we're, number one's back. Yep. The Rodman. The Rodman. The Rodman to Michael's Jordan, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that last week. Apparently so. Greg Harvey. How are we, gents? It's always a pleasure having you in the panic room. Never a chore. Yes. It, no, it isn't. It should be very easy. We've, we've already done a podcast while we've been waiting for Michael to turn up. Yeah, sorry, just, some of us are uh, up. Two hours before everyone else know, in the office doing it's some work and my, my alarm went off and I'm like, holy moly, I've got a uh, podcast. It's the today. first, it's mate, I'm going to say, it's the first time you've been late. Yeah, yeah. I, it was odd. I didn't know what to do. I knew Greg would be here and he'd have my back. Yes, he did. Young Rodman, <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> and I do apologise because you're right, I am very rarely late, but... Uh, That's okay. Had to prep up for another meeting after here. So. Get, you get a pass just this once, okay? Yeah, thank you. Just this once. For the first time, we're going to talk a little bit about Clever and maybe a little bit about some product. Yeah, it's a, it's a first. We, it is We a haven't first. Uh, dug into any products um, on the podcast before. and No. Well, the premise, the premise of the podcast is to, I guess, bring more knowledge to the industry, to bring the greater industry and the people involved and business partners and what they do and how clever relates to them in that perspective. But I guess really it's all about the product. Yeah, it's not just about, you know, football and state of origin. It's definitely not about state of origin. <laughs> we don't want to talk too much football today. Normally they dive into the football, but... Uh, yeah, I saw Matt... Now there's a Broncos of, fan and a Queensland fan in here. We don't want to talk footy all of a sudden. I'm, I might not be very happy to talk about Reese Walsh's pending suspension. Uh, what, what, what the great purchases that Manly have just done overnight? Well, you know, I, what I've always found is, especially in business as well, it's you can sport and business parallel each other a lot. You always go to the worst company to find your best talent, right? <laughs> That That's we're... business 101. So when Manly goes and pillages the West Tigers, <laughs> I have to question exactly what's going on. At the Tigers? Yeah. Well, the Tigers are going, they thought we're, we're stuck with this chaff and we're just going to have to keep paying them. <laughs> but Manly goes, no, we see the wheat. Yeah. See, I think I feel worse for the Tigers in this situation that their players want to go and play for Manly. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what harsh. I was thinking. That's harsh. If there's a step up and you go to Manly, where are you at? <laughs> well, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... We can't all be Broncos, though, let's be fair. Well... Are we equal first, I think? You are. Yeah. It's, it's been a wonderful year, but look, the choke's coming. Oh, didn't it start? <laughs> started <laughs> Sunday, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> this is it. That's just... Hopefully, by the time this comes out, we will have beaten the Dolphins, we'll be on another bye, we'll be back on top, and... Well, mate... That, let's shoot for that. Let's pretend like we're already uh, there. If you, if you don't beat the Dolphins... It's serious problems. Yeah, I'll be upset. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll be okay. Don't get me on next time. <laughs> we might just block out a, a <laughs> just just a, a passive booking for Greg Harvey after the Dolphins game, just in case. So talking about contracts, what's everyone's opinion about the whole um hunt saga? So I guess contracts are contracts and it's why, you know, only clubs, in, only in business. Only in business. Yeah. But obviously now in sport, 
they're, you know, Dragons have obviously contracted Hunt. They've sacked a coach, bringing in a new coach, building a team around him, and then all of a sudden he has a bit of a cry and wants to get out of his contract. And, you know, all credit to St George in saying, no, you have a contract. I, I can see it from both. I, I can see I it from both sides. both sides. And it was only something that you said to me the other day, look, and it comes back to business, where you said if someone doesn't want to be here, well then... They can leave. Go. And and especially when you're paying them $1.1 million. I think it's yeah. time when you've got a football team like that where you've got Ben Hunt that's been there for, what, five years now getting paid a hell of a lot of money. What success has it brought? Yeah. None. So if you've got an opportunity to free that money up and start afresh, I think it's time that the Dragons moved on from him. But I also understand them setting the premise of, no, well, people aren't just going to have the wood over us. But at the same time, you've just had a coach that was contracted to you and you didn't have any any problems letting him go. So yeah. I can sort of see it from both sides. I think it would be best for both Ben Hunt and the Dragons if he did leave, but yep. they're obviously trying to show some backbone. But it's it'd be the first it'd be the first time in NRL history that anyone showed any backbone. Well, yeah. They sat Gordon Tallis out for a year. Uh, he set himself out. Yeah, but I'm, it's only because they wouldn't budge. No, because the they wouldn't budge. But that, well. so they're the only club that's ever done it. Yeah. So. It's, it's funny because... Different story you, then, though. Talos was 21, not 34. <laughs> and he had signed with Super League. Yeah, correct. So it was a completely different situation. But I had this. you make a really good point because you said there that they just sacked a coach that was contracted. They had no dramas about doing that. Correct. Without compunction, they just sacked him. Yeah. Right? I had a conversation yesterday with a kid, family, good family friend. He's 23. He spent the last five years in the States... Uh, on a college scholarship playing American football. And he's come back and he's a bit at a crossroads. Doesn't want to know what he's going to do with his life. He's, he's done a master's degree in information technology, which I had to ask him what that was or information systems. Still don't really know what it was, but he said to me, he goes, I don't really know what to do. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, okay, mate, let's just disregard everything. What do you want? He goes, I've just, and without answering that, he said to me, he goes, I've just gotten my work permit to go back to the States. And I go, okay, so what do you want? He goes, I want to go back to the States. I said, okay, well then let's focus on that. And he goes, well, I, I was just offered a job, but it's not in the industry that I wanted to do and I knocked it back. And I go, okay, why'd you knock it back? And he goes, well, it wasn't really the job that I wanted. Okay, but you want to go back to the States and you've been offered a job in the States. Don't you take the job? And he goes, but he wanted me there long term. I go, doesn't matter what he wants. Mm. Doesn't matter what he wants, mate. Yeah. I go, at some stage in your life, you've got to be selfish. You've got to think about you. And I said, so you take that job, it gets you back in the States. Now, you might decide in three months that you love that job. So it's irrelevant that it's not in your industry, right? On the second point, he may decide that you're a dickhead and he doesn't want to hire you anymore and he will sack you. Now, where does that leave you? He goes, oh, I don't know. I go, you're back in the States. You got what you wanted. I said, so, mate, like, don't ever think loyalty lasts that long. The minute that an employer doesn't want you, they're going to sack you. Yep. And they will not think about you four days after you're gone. It's just as simple as that. I said, so, mate, just be selfish. Sometimes you got to. Yep. And with Ben Hunt, it's hard because you've got 25 or 30 mates that you play with. But at the end of the day... I don't know if he'd have that many at the moment. Well, he'd have none. He'd have <laughs> yeah. none. They all say in their rallying around him, he'd have no mates. And their performance on the weekend showed that. Yeah. yeah. He needs to go. And 
So as a business, how do they manage this? Because you've got someone who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. You've obviously got the power brokers at the top who are basically saying, no, we have the contracts so and we have the power. We're going to force him to stay here and play out his career um, being unhappy. you got teammates who are looking around thinking, our leader doesn't even want to be here. Yeah. So, so you, and you got a million-dollar player that realistically you're not going to go and play him in second grade because otherwise what's the point of keeping him, you know, because you're not going to build a team. So what do they do? So relate it back to Clever Choice. Correct. What happens if Greg, who is an integral part of the business, right? He's made himself an integral part of your business. Yep. But he knows he's being paid reasonably well. And I'm just, you know, waxing lyrical here a bit. He yep. knows he's paying reasonably well for the job that he does. And he starts to cruise, right? And he's not Greg anymore. But he just starts to cruise because he knows he's on a good wicket, doesn't need to perform. What do you do? So I guess if you look at it as a business perspective, yes, we have power brokers at the top, uh, but it comes back to your leadership. Um, and I think you've got to look at yourself uh, as the leader to think, okay, why is he cruising? Why has he lost interest? And that then falls back on me. I think so, that's what St. George are trying to do. So, yeah. So to a point. The problem is they don't have a coach there right now to be able to do it. And I think, obviously, the power brokers are holding out. And is it Flanagan? Um, Flanagan. Flanagan is coming in. Another manly. <laughs> so, obviously, they're trying to get the leader and whether there's a lot of that happening behind the scenes. Again, we only hear what the media tell us. Um, that the leaders are getting in and, and trying to encourage um, Hunt slash Greg to sort of stay. So, I think a lot of it comes down to the leader. Yeah. Um, now, if the leader, uh, and in this instance myself, cannot um, find get or assist Greg in finding his passion, then it's a lose lose for both Greg and the company. Uh, and again, is where we you know why we probably talk about sport a lot because they are parallel. Uh, they are a business. Um, you know, they're all striving for success. Um, and business is exactly the same. And well, the overall success of anything comes from everyone as a whole. Like we were only talking about it before off air that with Reese Walsh on the weekend, the way that he played a one out, one out game, like he didn't play with his teammates, he just played by himself. And Brisbane were a completely look different looking outfit with him running by himself. And it's the same thing. Everyone's got to buy into it, and that's why I think in this situation and any other situation, if you've got someone who doesn't want to be there, just let him go. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And 100%. You, you use that as an opportunity to empower others around them. Like, they've got a couple of good young halves there that they could go back to and say, look, we're going to let Ben Hunt go because we've got all the faith in the world that you guys are going to do the job moving forward. What we ask for in return is that once we give you this opportunity that you make the most of it and you do the right thing by us. They've got to have faith that they can turn his passion around. Correct. That's what it comes down to. And unless they can make him passionate and he believes in the next two years and the growth, then you're right. There is no value in just holding him Mate. for the sake of holding him. So there's obviously some form of belief from someone, you know, wherever it is in that chain, that they can turn his passion around and that he will lead them to a premiership because ultimately that's what they're all striving for. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not they let him leave halfway through this year or they make this decision at the end of the year, um, you know, I think if by the end of the year they've got to be very clear, both parties yep. have to be 100% clear, okay, the next two years is what it's going to look like and we, we buy into that. Yep. And if they're not, they have to end it. That They can't have this carry on uh, any longer than th this year. And I personally would be 
fighting for someone that that is good that I know you know has got something. I would be fighting to find out why they got to this point. Uh, was it something that that it we wouldn't, did? I don't think it'd take much digging though. I think they already know. They've they had a meeting yesterday where went for forty five minutes apparently. Yeah. So you have a forty five minute meeting about the future of your marquee player. Sorry, it's game over. Yeah. You've got to also got to know, Michael, when to cut and run. Yeah. yeah. You've also got to know when it's time for a rebuild. Yeah. It's like every business. Like at some stage, you're going to change your focus. You're going to shift. You don't shift into fifth gear, right? You, you need to st- almost start again. You go back into first gear and you build again. And I think that with the money they get from 1.1 goes a long way. Yeah. If it's done right. Yeah. The problem is, not sure it's going to be done right because it's never been done right. No. And the real problem is, you said about power brokers and stakeholders, all this kind of stuff, is that, mate, they've already lost their major sponsor of 40 years because of this shit, right? Yep. Yeah. Like, this is this has been going on for a decade or more with St. George that they've been, since they won the comp. Yep. They've been shocking since Wayne Bennett left. Yeah. I think Jimmy spoke about it on the last podcast, so you've got to look at um, a situation like a rebuild not as a short-term thing. Exactly. So Jimmy said it in, in the last podcast. He said that I'm not looking at this as something that I'm going to get done straight away. I know that this is going to be about a seven-year project to build this and drive this to the point where it needs to be. Yeah. And if you understand that up front, you understand that this situation is the wrong one by keeping him because two years, it's not going to fix itself. Do, do you think that I believe that sport, isn't run enough as a business. I believe that sport, there's too much passion involved with sport. There's and so many parallels yeah, between the two. But but I think the, the business, the, the clubs that are run like a business are the more successful clubs. And you can use the Broncos as an example, yep. right, where th- they're probably the most successful business in the NRL. Uh, and Melbourne. And, and Melbourne. Yeah. Now, Melbourne got a lot of help and still do get a lot of help. But you use Brisbane as a really good example because they are a, Entity within themselves, like the, if if the NRL fell over yes tomorrow, then they'd be fine. The Broncos would probably start a new competition, right? Correct. Yeah, but that's because they've got smart people involved. And I've I actually I worked for the Northern Eagles for a year as a sponsorship manager, about sixteen months as a sponsorship manager. It was a, it was a nightmare. Like it's jobs for the boys, constantly jobs for the boys. It's people that are not experienced enough or knowledgeable enough in positions just because they it's jobs for the boys. Yeah, ex-players. Ex-players or, or people on the fringes or mates of mates. or yeah. And you can see it all through the NRL still. Like, how Jay Carthy gets a gig at Manly is beyond me. How Cooper Johns gets a gig at Manly is beyond me. It's jobs for the boys. Yeah. We're yeah. going to help out Matty Johns. We're going to help out Brad Arthur. Like, it's – and it's well, – Until – We see that in our industry, Matt. You know, and we're getting sort of back on to, to flooring. Um, I also see within the industry, ex-floor layers become store owners and, you know, some of these stores are part of groups. And then as progression, people think, oh, I've been here 20 years, the CEO of one of the groups is just, is, is either leaving or retired or whatever. I deserve that spot. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, just because you've been doing something for a long time does not make you a CEO. Yeah. Um, you know, CEOs are educated uh, they've got a lot of uh, uni um, well, I think information, lawyer degrees, accounting degrees. Like you're running a multi-million dollar. Well, I think the perfect example is Rowan Hodge from Anderson's, right? 
Yes. So he had nothing to do with flooring. Yeah. He's just a smart fella. Yeah, correct. Right, and, and you I can think feel that, that when you're in and the you room can, and you do, and and I think that that's so we get back to flooring, we get back to business, and we go well. You got to hire the best people, regardless. You can have the best people around you, regardless, and there are going to be some that ascend out of the industry. And Greg, you're the perfect example, right? So you've you've essentially done every facet of the flooring industry. So if you need, if someone needs their floors laid, Greg can do it. If someone needs to buy flooring, Greg can do it. If so, if you need to sell, someone needs flooring sold to someone, you can do it, right? Now you're a bit of a diamond in the rough, right? Yeah. And and to be honest, if you're looking for a, a, an employee, you know, that's the best knowledge base, one hundred percent. And someone that's willing to learn and be and be molded, which that, you you that's adaptable. The, that's the big thing for me is the fact that <coughs> like I spent some time with um, David, our new rep down south last Friday, and I even said to him on the Thursday night before we caught up on the Friday, I'd like to tomorrow sit down and show you how I do some things, but I'd also like to pick your brain and and get some knowledge and some some things that you've found that's worked for you over the years. And as we drove around for the day, I sort of picked his brain on a few things, he picked my brain on a few things, and I think that's the difference Like within business now. And like even for me with this podcast, as, a, as an example, it, it's a brilliant way that even for me, like I'm on the road a lot of the time, I rely on podcasts and my entertainment as I drive around during the day, but... The amount of different people that have had the amount of different experiences and that sort of thing, you can learn something from every single one of them. And I think that's the biggest thing around business, whether it be even sports people, business people, whatever. If you've got someone who, like as you say, I've done a lot of the different aspects of this industry, but I still know nothing compared to what (laughs) I could know. And I think whilst you still acknowledge the fact that you've still got so much to learn, you're still such a valuable asset. I think someone, when they feel like they know it, and they've done it all, I think that's when they become rendered useless. Well, uh, that's Ben Hunt. Well, that's what I mean. I think Ben Hunt thinks he has now superseded his role. Yeah, you Like, he, 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 he's better than that. And and that's fine. And I think Reese Walsh coming out of origin... I think he thinks the same. He's come out thinking, I'm now this superstar. I've just helped yeah. basically win a series. So now I can take the Broncos on my own shoulders... And it was proven on the weekend yeah. that no one is bigger than the game or no one's bigger than the team. You know, everyone has their role to play. And yes, you might be able to step up and help your team move forward a lot quicker. But once you think that you're better than the team, uh, it it goes miserably wrong. Ben Hunt was had, shown the, had the chance to win a comp. Let's not forget. He oh. says he wants to win a premiership. He had a very good chance in 2015 he's to a win choker. a comp. Even Mate, he lost, son, the, he he lost the comp. The he lost the comp for them. Correct. So, what has he learned from that? He's, yeah. not, he's not your go-to man, and unfortunately, he is a great player, and this is where he fits in really well with the Queensland team because he's hooker. Well, he's part of a system. Right, he's there, part right? of a he's system. He's part of the cog, but he's, he's not, not the cog. He's not the one that you pass the ball to yeah. when there's seconds to go and you need a field goal, and it's been proven that he's not that man, but yet he could pop the ball straight through to Reynolds or he could pop the ball to you know, the halves um, and all that, so he's very reliable. Well, I think that's the other thing. But he chokes under pressure. That's the other thing, is that I think that... And we'll go back to Ben Hunt for the last time. Yeah, and then we better move on to... He wants to be halfback. If he goes to the Broncos, he's not going to be my halfback. Well, it's only for the rest of the year. Yeah, I know that. And I think he's realised that if he does go there, he's going to play hooker, but it's probably his best crack to win the comp because Penrith aren't going to take him. And I think at the moment, it's probably Penrith, Brisbane, Melbourne or South that will win it if they ever get Latrell back. South aren't going to win it, they're gone. Um, 
But it's the same. It's the same again for um, like just working part as a, as part of a team or wanting to be the top dog. Like you don't get to decide that. Yeah, that that gets decided for you. And if you do your role properly, and if you focus on what you've got to do, and you support everyone around you as best as you can, then if the, those decisions come around, well, then that's out of your control. And but if you're deserving of that, you'll get that. I think that's a really good analogy, right there. I love that you don't get to de- you don't get to decide to be the top dog. That gets decided for you. I think that is no truer thing ever said. Yeah. Yep. And Greg and I have had this conversation. You know, like where does he want to be in the future and things like that. You don't need to be the top dog to be happy, to be successful, no. and to be great at what you do. No. If you can stay in your lane and be the best at what you do, you you are the top dog. You know, you have value. Um, and if we'll use Greg while he's sitting here as an analogy, if if he's you know the highest earning rep and great at what he does and creates a great network and has all these customers, why would we want to sit behind a desk? And just crunch numbers. And, no, exactly right. And deal with all that. And there's this there's this false um, um, feeling, I think, amongst most people that I've got to be the top dog, otherwise I'm not successful. Yeah. But I think if you look at m- the most successful people, they're the ones that are just best at their field or best in their position. And we talk about football. You know, best fullback or best five eight or best front rower. You know, when they do the daily M's. Um, there's a whole team of the best players. Yeah. Um, and we look at, say, the Blues, we keep saying, oh, they pick a you know, team of champions versus a champion team. Then that's also the other thing is you might have all these great people at their position, but unless they can c- create a team and work together, uh, and that's obviously something we work hard on at Clever Choice, is making sure that not only have we got people that excel in their own pos- uh, positions or um, roles within the company, but then they work with each other as a team, and that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah, is when I come into the office and I see everyone having a laugh, I see everyone getting in the banter that goes on behind the scenes. But when it's on and work needs to be done, it's happening and it gets done. And the passion and what um, Clever Choice bleeds um, is that teammanship. Yeah, I think for I, love, I just I love making other people around me better, I think is the most important thing for me. Like, I've held positions before where I've been ab- above a lot of people and a lot of the time I didn't make that decision, other people made that decision and people didn't look at it very nicely because they'd been wanting those positions for a while. But even for me, like, I've been really successful. Like, I've been with them 18 months now, if you can believe that. It's um, gone quick. But yeah. I, I've been super successful and really lucky that um, like I've got a really good base of customers that have really supported me and jumped behind me and given me back the support that I've given them. But I still reckon one of my things that I've enjoyed most in my time at the company has been my time with Ian Walker. Um, yep. Like we've, we've, Texas. Like we started as like, like you look at we're, we're two different age demographics. We live in two different states. But, like, we started off as two blokes that didn't know each other. Now we speak six to seven times a week about many different things. And um, he's good in the sense that he's much like me. Like, he still wants to keep learning. He always wants to strive to get better. He's not happy just being. And he asked for my help at one point to sort of emulate what I was doing. And I said to him, I said, if you're willing to listen, I'm, I'm willing to help you. 
And we sat down and, like, apart from everyone else, we did our own Zoom meetings and we did our own little training sessions and things like that. And now you look at the transformation in him as a as an account manager with his um, behind-the-scenes stuff, his analysis of data, numbers, all that sort of stuff now where he wasn't that strong before, he's excelling at. Mm. And when he builds relationships as well as what he does, and now he's got the NAUS behind the scenes as well, it's not surprising to see him growing and getting much better as a, as a rep. And I don't put that all down to me. Obviously, he's done the work, and Michael's obviously done a lot of work of him over time, but... I feel better about that than I would do if someone says, you're the boss. Like Me being the boss mm. doesn't make me feel good. Me knowing that I'm helping other people whilst helping the entire organisation is what it's about for me. And that's I see that in so many businesses. Like even I was having a listen to a couple of the podcasts on the way down this morning and listening to Josh from Marquis and the work that he does with his Build Cambodia, things like that. Like he doesn't have to do that. Mm. He mm. does that because it's the right thing to do. And then listen to someone like Bobby Lenz who like I'm listening to Bobby's store and I'm thinking geez up until he bought his shop with very similar past so like you look at the bo- bloke like Bobby and you think geez he's got it all together he's pretty polished like good looking bloke speaks really well and you think he can't have had the same background as what I did but then you hear and you think geez that's very similar yeah and then even someone like Jimmy last week like they all want everyone around them to be better yeah yep. and they all want things done right and I think when you put that together amongst an industry, that's I think that's why we've been so strong is because we've aligned ourselves with people that they want to be the best, but they also want to help people. I think I think what I've found is that, and the podcast is a good uh, example of it, is that it's not. It's about the industry, and I think Clever's about the industry. It's not just about Clever because if the industry's strong, Clever will be fine. Yeah. So I think that the important thing, and that's, and I think that was one of the main uh, missions when we started the podcast, was that let's let's try and get to as many people within the industry as we can. Let's let's hear as many stories from those people within the industry, and let's try and bring these people together and make it a, be like a knowledge base and have people come there when they need questions answered. Yeah. And I think that we're we're slowly starting to achieve that, and that's a good example there where Greg says, well, he he listened and heard these stories of these people and. He can relate to that, and that's what we want. We want people to be able to listen and go, oh, shit, you know, he's not too different to me, or, or that's how he does it, I'm on the right track. And yep. I think that the, the thread that is constant through the podcast, right, is the importance of reinvesting back into the industry. Right? Yes. <clears throat> and, and apprentices are the key, right, is getting more qualified people to lay the floors. Yep. Because producing the floor and selling the floor is not the difficult part. No. It's, it's the quality control around laying the floor. And right? Bob, Bobby said it perfectly on his podcast. We're a flooring installation company that sells floors. Yes. And we are a unique industry. Uh, most of our competitive um, industries like tiling, painting and all that supply the material and then contractors come in and do the work. With the flooring industry... We supply a supply and install um, contract. So he said it perfectly. And I think this is where um, a lot of uh, the flooring people, you know, there's this division on do we separate it? Do we keep it together? And I think a lot of them enjoy that fact that we are one of the only trades that do contract and supply. So it is unique. And I think um, keeping that together is the key to the success of the flooring industry. 
Otherwise, we just turn into a Bunnings or we just turn into yeah. a distribution centre where it is literally just salespeople selling. Uh, at the moment, we have the opportunity in the industry to grow the industry and educate the installers. Uh, you got the FCIA, we've had Fiona on, um, ATFA, Adfa and Randy. You know, they're all fighting to educate and bring through tradesmen and really keep that within the industry. And I think um, as a whole, if we all keep working together, uh, keep educating, keep talking about correct installation practice, uh, practices, um, becoming more professional at the installation side, then the selling of the flooring is, like you said, it really is the easy part. Mm. Um, because it comes down to colour, you know. Really, it's a it's a decor thing. Well, it's funny because Jimmy said last week he goes, "No one's coming into a flooring shop to browse." Yeah, right. I used to hate that line. Right, especially if I'm in there on a Saturday <laughs> and a Sunday. As Jimmy said, he he still does it. Yeah, but and I used to love going to work on Saturday and Sundays because, as he said, it's game day. It's busy. There, yeah, that's yeah. where you that's make it. that's where you make your money. But I couldn't stand me not being with my family on a Sunday. And I'm fully invested in, right, if you're walking into this shop, I'm going to help you the best that I can and we're going to make this happen. And then someone comes in and they go, oh, no, it's fine. I just want to have a look. I'd be like, hmm. I could be having a beer, kicking a footy with my kid. <laughs> like, yeah. It used to annoy the hell out of me. And then they'd end up buying anyway. Yeah. yeah. Because like Jimmy said, you sit there and you look at it and you feel them out. There's got to be something, some way we can connect yeah. here. And then once you find that, I used to take Christian to the shop with me on Sundays and that sort of thing. Because I found that my best sales tool on the weekend is if the, a couple comes in with a three-year-old kid, they don't want to be looking at flooring. Mm. They're going to carry on about looking at flooring. But if I've got a six- or a seven-year-old there with a tablet watching the same show that the kid's interested in, that's what the kid's going to do. And all of a sudden, selling yeah, to the parents is easy. Yeah, uh, People but, don't wake up on a Sunday... No, what are we going to do now? Oh, yeah. let's go and look at some flooring. Like of anything worse, yeah. to be no, honest. And, it's, it's and we're in the industry, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Even I wouldn't go looking at flooring yeah. on my day off. No, right. you go looking to buy, right? That's Correct. it. So, and so I think that was a really interesting insight from, from Jimmy about how he deals with that, about saying, oh, look, I'm busy anyway. Yeah. And then invariably you get the sale because that's what they're there to do. Yes. So I think that the, the flooring, it's, it's, a, it's a decision that's already made about that we want the flooring now yeah what's the best option and i think education uh i think uh, again people are coming in they're renovating their home uh they they know they need flooring but really do they know what they want and i guess this will lead into you know what is hybrid and at the moment the big buzz is you know most people walk into a shop oh i want hybrid flooring now greg what is it that hybrid flooring is like when a customer walks into a shop and go, I want hybrid, how have, they be, how have they got to the point that instead of asking for timber flooring or oak flooring or something specific, that they're asking for hybrid? Firstly, they know nothing about hybrid. It's more than likely to say that they actually don't know anything about what a hybrid is. But because on the TV or because Cheryl down the street got a hybrid, that's now what they have to have. It's got nothing to do with what that product is or she, they don't even know whether the features and benefits are what they want, but because it's the flavour of the month, that's what they need. And I spoke about it on my first podcast here, the beauty of Clever Choice Ranges is that we've got something that can, like, I can make a case that any type of floor can be exactly what you need Yep. in some aspects, but it may not be what you need in every other aspect. 
But I think the biggest thing as a salesperson and even for us when we're talking to our stores is we've got to find out a way that you can ask the right questions to ensure they get the right products because for me there's many reasons that you'd buy a hybrid um, but there's also many reasons you'd buy a timber or there's many reasons you'd buy a vinyl. It's about asking the right questions. What's most important to you? What do you need from your flooring? Because if someone came into me and said, I need a hybrid, I'd say, why? Yep. And if they can't answer that question, then I start asking the questions. What's most important to you? What do you what's most important that you get back out of your floor? You're investing in the floor. What can mm-hmm. the floor do for you? And once they answer those questions, you can work out where they go. Like for, for young people, people with families, timber's obviously not always the best idea, but if you're wanting to add value to your house, add a touch of class and luxury to your house, then you go with a timber and then you just make sure you maintain it and you look after it the best you can. But um, with the hybrids in particular, they're the flavour of the month because they probably give you... They're the ones that have been pushed the most. They're the ones that everyone's felt like they're going to get the most protection with, things like that, but... At the same time, there still hasn't been anywhere near enough education around hybrid and it's been sold like this thing's superhuman. Like essentially <laughs> it's not human, but people need to understand that all products, whilst they can be made the best that they can with as many features and benefits as they can, the conditions still need to be right. They still need to be maintained the right way. Like we've seen it a lot lately with... Um, some inspections that we're going to where it's very clear that we've said that a hybrid floor will still expand and contract but yet every second inspection that we go to still has got the entire perimeter of a six mil hybrid silicon which we all know restricts its expansion and contraction and then when you go out there and say well you've done this to the floor and, and that's now an issue people still look at you with that confused look on your face but because hybrid's been oversold and promise to be the best of everything people think you can just lay this thing however you want in what areas you want with whatever conditions that you want and it's just going to perform it's the same it's a waterproof product but the same as anything over time if you've got like last year we had 19 weekends back to back where there was some sort of rain event you think about that and then on the back of that you get a hot and humid summer where it sweats and sweats and sweats underneath these floors and then all of a sudden you get a cold snap like now there's no surprises, and we sent out something about it last last week about how your floors react in winter. You're always going to see some sort of change because you've had rain, sweat, and then cold. The floor's trying to go everywhere. A, if you've siliconed it, you've stopped it from being able to do that. And even if you haven't siliconed it, if you've got a rising damp issue from underneath, whilst the product's waterproof in the in the core where it's most solid, most stable and dense, you've still got a small click that goes into the next mm. board. And even if it's as waterproof as it is, over time that can still cause issues. It's going to cause the problems. And nine times out of ten, if we then turn around and say to them, okay, well, when you first laid the floor, what were the moisture levels? Nine times out of ten, they can't tell no. you because they haven't checked. So you talk about waterproof, and I think a good analogy, I was actually thinking about this um, the other night because I knew that we were going to obviously discuss this today. And I think the whole thing, you know, we've all got watches, right? All watches are waterproof, water resistant, but they're not limitless. You know, we all know that under pressure, um, because there's so many other factors that come into a watch, just because it's waterproof doesn't mean you can get a hammer and belt your watch, right? Just because it's waterproof doesn't mean you can go down and look at the Titanic. Well, that's been (laughs) proven. Even the submarine can't go down and 
You know what I mean? So I think this whole thing of um, of the product being waterproof, Greg's right. It's it's like one factor of so many, and we've discussed this many times on this podcast about, in, especially installation, you know, there's, there's different degrees. And I think waterproof is like this answer to everyone's problems. Oh, because it's waterproof, we don't need to do the subfloor levelling. Because it's waterproof, we can silicon it. Because it's waterproof, we can break the... I think we got over 60 points on our installation guide. Yeah. Because it's waterproof, we don't have to follow the 60 points. We don't have to put expansion gaps in. We don't have to do all this. And it's very clear that that one feature does not make the product uh, able to be installed in any circumstance. Um, you know, if we're, we're you know, getting off watches now, um, getting into people's environments and their homes, we have different temperatures okay and we have different humidities we have different raft sizes we have sub the one we looked at the other day greg mount everest look flat compared to this floor <laughs> that's our fault right so all of a sudden the product's faulty because we've laid it over mount everest and now the ends are unclicking like so it's oh but it's but it's hybrid was the comment you know and i'm sort of looking and i'm like so it really doesn't matter what product it is. The 60 points of installation still need to be followed. And obviously the customer care, you can't go and be dropping or having a big heavy lounge. We had another one the other day where a customer's got a massive lounge, no protections, no nothing, dropping, you know, big person, dropping their weight down. The leg of the chair is on the corner of one of the joints and it's broken a joint. Oh, but it's hybrid. It shouldn't have broken. <coughs> so I think... If we're talking about any flooring and say hybrid in particular, and um, it's probably the one we've brought up the most today because it, it is the one we see in our industry that is so oversold. And then there's different qualities of hybrids. Right, and that's what I was about to touch on is that like we've spoken to everyone in this podcast and they've got such pride in their business and the way they conduct their business and the way that they do all these things. And even salespeople, they say, oh, I'm a great salesperson. Okay, well, if you want to silicon the floor... <laughs> We've got a 9mm hybrid. You can silicon the perimeter. It's warranted for that. If you're such a good salesperson, upgrade them from the 6mm to the 9mm. Silicon it. If you're such a bi good business person, upgrade them from the 6mm to the 9mm. Silicon it. If you've got a subfloor that's not 100% level, where you need a little bit more tolerance, upgrade them from the 6mm to the 9mm. The tolerances are greater. There's so many different things that they can do Whereas if they educate their customers the way we try and educate ours on different things that you can do in different situations, you're not going to end up with these back-end issues. And that's where hybrid overall is a brilliant product. You just yep. need to follow the rules. you still got to lay it correctly. Correct. And as much as you're right, Greg, you know, if they want to use silicon, then yes, you have to go up to the 9mm. Um, we've got proven records that show if you silicon or restrict the movement of a 6mm, you're going to have performance issues. We've also got um, performance um, reports to show you can, in fact, silicon the 9mm. However, it doesn't mean that you can then not lay your expansion gaps. Correct. Right? So, that's, again, that's just one point. Running your silicon is one area of expansion. The other area of expansion is your internal expansion um, joints, which allow the individual rafts to move independently. Now, <coughs> silicon will restrict it in some areas, but it still has a level of um, of performance that's required as far as your internal expansion gaps, as far as floor leveling. So just because you can silicon it 
doesn't mean that you can get away with laying over Mount Everest Correct. or laying over a subfloor that hasn't been prepped properly or in an environment, and we talk about waterproof. Now, the product can be mopped. So, that you know, basically we talk about water, right? We're talking about a spill of water, a bucket spilling. We're talking about, you know, some slight increase and decrease in humidity and things like that. Not outside in an open pergola. Correct. We're not talking about outdoor environments. Yes. We're not talking about floods, okay? We're not talking about leaks and continual source of moisture, okay? Again, these things are all being, you know, put under the whole umbrella of waterproof, that if someone's got a leak or rising damp, now rising damp is not only water, but then it creates pressure, okay? It turns into vapour, and then that vapour then goes through the flooring, and that continual source of, um, I guess, vapour and moisture then puts pressure on all the locking systems, the mechanism, and everything else in that environment. And I think that's where a lot of people um, have got it confused that, oh, it's waterproof, so it's invincible. Okay, so I think today we just you know want to clear it up that waterproof is one feature, and it is for general purposes. It's for you know you're mopping, or if you've left a window open and it has some rain has got on it, and you've got to that window and you've shut it, it's not going to destroy your flooring. But it is categorically not when you've had a flood and the whole house is submerged in water, and now you've got water under the floor, which now needs to evaporate up. You need to get fans in or you've got rising damp or any of those continual sources of, uh, of moisture. So there's a, there's a heads up to everyone. If you're going to get me out for an inspection, make sure you've followed the rules with around silicon before you do. I think it's, I think it's again, it, com- it comes back to that, uh, you know, you, you're at the mercy of the public. Right, yep. because you provide the product, you provide the information. You don't, you don't sit behind the counter when every sale's made and say, "Here's the list of what you need to do. Here's the install that we suggest. Here's how it should be done." You, you don't do that. You couldn't possibly do that, right? That's not your job. No. But it's almost a job that needs to happen. What's the steps when it comes to educating your? sales partners and your business partners in in the preparation required to getting the best job possible done how do you how do you go about that part of it well that for me is where i have to go to next like i've built good relationships with all my customers and i've got good banter with all of my customers and everyone knows i'm a bit of a joke and i can go and have a laugh or i can talk footy or whatever Whereas obviously now I have off the back of as i say a lot of inspections where there has been silicon or there has been um, rising damp issues or things like that obviously I know that on my next cycle of visits to these stores that I need to be touching more so on that aspect of things um, as an account manager it's you've got to keep moving with the tide sometimes when it's busy they just want you to be the joker that pops in fills everything up make sure it looks nice and then get out of their hair because they've got that many people to serve whereas as Jimmy touched on in the last episode is things have started to plateau a bit we've been so used to being overfed for two and a half years, that now it's sort of gone back to where it was beforehand. It feels like it's dead, whereas essentially this is just what it was like what before it was like, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, we, we're obviously going to have more time with the shops and the reps now without the foot traffic in the stores. So now's the time as reps and as a company that we really need to push the education and really reinforce everything that we want um, as a brand. Um, and then that way, if we can present that to our customers, then they can present that to their customers and 
And that's sort of a flow-on effect that if we can educate them now as to the benefits of, say, a 9 mil hybrid over a 6 mil hybrid, if it's quieter and you're not getting as much inquiry, but if you're selling a more high-end product, you're making more margin, you're making more money so that your one sale may turn into the price of two sales. So even if you're not as busy, you're giving out the most premium product, explaining to the customer exactly how it should be laid ensuring your installs are following that and you're still making more money off that sale whilst giving you and your customer more protection on the back end. I think it's interesting uh, you asked the question, Matt, you know, what can we do or what, what's our role in this? Um, I think it's one thing we do really well at Clever is we reinvent ourselves and I was in a meeting um, with uh, the powers to be down at uh, Flooring Extra uh, Scott Eno and uh, Marcus McDonald um, last month, actually it was. And we're in there, we're having a chat you know, about how they see our role as their business partner and their preferred supplier. And, you know, Scott did, did say something that resonated with me. He said, you're a trainer. You know, your role is to position your product and train our stores, our salespeople. And it's something that we really came back and, and looked at and Greg just touched on it, you know, and instead of going out and building the relationship, which we, we do very well, I think that's, that's a definite strength, uh, we're now reinventing ourselves uh, and internally we do a lot of training ourselves so we are more educated um, and we know that how flooring performs because ultimately, like we said at the beginning of this, we're an installation company that provides flooring. Mm. As much as Clever Choice doesn't do the installation, it is our role to educate our sellers, and our sellers are the stores. Um, and for our sales reps, you know that's an important factor with us moving forward. Is yeah, it's great to talk forty and have the relationship, but it is also our responsibility to be educating the salespeople that they're selling the correct installation that they're selling the right products that suit the right environment. Every home's different. You know, your home, I've been to your house, uh, has a different climate, a different environment to my house, you know, out on the farm. You know, Greg's house is different. You know, my mum's unit, which is east-facing right on the beach, you know, has that sea breeze coming through every day. Houses with west-facing big glass windows have got a massive heat source. You know, in summer, at the middle of the day is the hottest part. And then to have the sun beating down on glass windows for the following six hours into the evening, that's a huge heat environment. You know, you're creating an oven in some of those rooms. So being aware that all these elements, all these environments have such a different impact is what, it, what our role is, is to educate the salespeople. You know, it's easy when someone comes in and says, I want a black butt floor or I want a colour. You know, they're colour consultants. Yeah. Now, again, if you want to just be a colour consultant, then that's fine. Be the colour consultant. But then don't get involved in the aspect of quoting the installation of a home. Yeah. If you're going to go and quote the installation of a home, then you need to be qualified to quote the installation of a home. And to be able to quote an installation process, you need to know about subfloor moisture. You need to know about your environment, about the temperature, about is it west-facing, is it east-facing, you need to know um, about all your levelling compounds. Um, is the home a moist home or is it a dry home? It, do you live out in Roma where your average rainfall is nearly zero? 
you know, so potentially you're living in an environment where the floors are going to shrink compared to living in a high humid area like Cairns where the extra humidity and moisture is going to make the floors grow. Um, now, as much as we sell flooring to all these regions all over Australia, and I've heard this comment many times, oh, well, you sold me the flooring. Well, yeah, I did. And the flooring can perform in that home if X, Y, and Z is followed during the installation process. And, you know, on top of then the installation, it's how then the client's expectations are around maintaining that floor. <clears throat> like well, if you live up in Cairns, right, and it's 80 to 90% humidity, and you think that you're just going to have the windows open all the time and have no climate control or no moisture control and try and reduce the humidity down below 60%, which nearly every flooring installation guide in Australia has that recommendation, then you're going to have performance issues. Yeah, well, I only spoke to Lance from Anderson's at Gimpy the other day. He owns the Gimpy and the Maryborough stores for Anderson's. Really good operator, lays the floors himself as well. Um, and I was only talking to him the other day about the 9mm hybrid. He understands that his area up there is a lot different to what Brisbane is. So rather than going with the 6mm, he'll go with the better option of the 9mm because it, it suits his demographic and his area more so than a 6mm hybrid. So I think the owners does have to come back onto the shops as well where they understand their climates and their conditions. Um, and it's one thing Floor World Edit Kingaroy does really well. They understand the types of houses that they have, the movement they get in subfloors, what's going to handle that better, what's not going to handle that better. So... There is a lot of shops that understand this, but then I think there's still a lot more education with the shops around their local climate, their conditions, and it's probably something I didn't understand having only ever really laid floors or sold floors in metro areas that the difference between even, say, Brisbane and Toowoomba, even though they're only an hour and a bit apart, the conditions and the the climates are two completely different things and the the same floor in two houses an hour and a half apart are going to act so differently i think that was one thing i didn't understand as well and um i think if the everyone in the sales force and that can be educated on that side of things as well it's only going to benefit everyone well i did i remember oh this would have been many years ago six to eight years ago i went up to toowoomba and did an inspection for a bamboo floor up there and we were literally in the clouds yeah like (laughs) in the clouds so this is in the middle of winter like couldn't even see a meter visibility yeah um go in and you're just dripping with moisture the floor was covered in like it was just damp and wet and no matter what flooring went into this house there was going to be performance issues um and it was good the client fully understood it because not only did they have flooring issues their doors used to stick you know so it's not just flooring it's the whole it's an house. awful place polished concrete with some <laughs> rugs as the go <laughs> exactly and this is where suitability for purpose comes down like realistically that home should never have had bamboo installed in it no um you know bamboo is a great product but it is also very volatile and very um you know performance driven by uh, moisture um so it's probably one of the, the least performing products when you're talking high moisture because it is a solid it's like solid timber you wouldn't put solid timber in this home either. Uh, and if you were, you know, it'd be expected to be having issues. Um, so exactly, like really tiles or co- polished there concrete. There two options in a house like that. Carpet would just be damp all the time. It yeah. would just smell. I sort of had to have this harsh conversation with the customer that, look, you've obviously got this bamboo floor. 
it's performing the way 100% I would be expecting, but we're going to have to cut some massive expansion gaps into this. And, you know, they really loved it and they wanted it to work and we modified it to make it work. And, you know, it was a great credit to the store out there um, because we did all work together and made this flooring work. But ultimately, the decision to sell it into there, um, you know, that wasn't discussed with the customer. We were lucky that the mm. customer was willing to have, you know, numerous amounts of expansion. And in that incident, it did work. So even though that bamboo is not suited for that home, some people have got a vision that they want it regardless of performance. Now, I think as long as the customer has that expectation that, hey, this is going to perform um, poor, but we can make all these alterations. And just because 9mm um, hybrid, we suggest, can be silicon. Again, it's not the best way to do it as far as performance. It still does have a, um, a certain amount of restriction on that floor. You know, ultimately, removing your skirtings, putting your skirtings back on and allowing it to expand and contract is the best way to lay it. Yep. So, but in saying that, you know, we have done tests on the products and we know that if someone doesn't want to have to remove their skirting or scotia and go through that extra work or put, um, sorry, skirting or put scotia, that silicon will work. So, you know, well, there are ways that of doing things right uh, there are ways of making it look, you know, we've had this discussion with Madison about the architects and designers. You know, the designer wants it all to look good, but then it's up to the engineers and the architects to actually make it work. Yeah. And I think nine times out of ten with the nine mil, you'll find that people don't silicon it anyway. Yeah. Even though they know that they can, they st- not most of them will still leave the expansion and then maybe around the kitchen where you want that nice clean finish, they'll use the silicon, but Correct. still with the m- remainder of the perimeter will leave the proper expansion that we would normally leave for, say, a 6 mil hybrid. Mm. Yep. And for me, if I was to do a 9 mil floor as a salesman, that's probably the way that I'd push it is we'll still do all the expansion correctly because that's still going to give me more protection again. But then in the really important areas, like your beautiful marble waterfall edge, we can use a silicon and it's not going to create issues down the track. So, yeah. Correct, because you're only pinning it internally, Correct. not externally. Correct. So it can still expand out through the perimeter. I think the other important fact to, to note on the on the nine mil is the difference between the six mil and the nine mil when you remove the underlay. The nine mil, the board itself, is actually nearly double. It's a seven mil board with a two mil underlay, where your six mil is only a four and a half mil. So when you look at four and a half mil to seven mil, you're talking nearly forty percent difference in thickness. Now the center of the board really is not going to make a difference. Um, because that can take the impact and take the pressure. But when it does make a difference is when you're machining the edges of the boards the whole way around to put a clicking system in, you're talking about a 1.5 click to a 3.5 click. Lance even mentioned to me the other day on the phone that he had actually pull up a couple of runs to go back to a board that had been damaged post-install on one of our 9mm jobs. He goes, mate, I've got to give it to that product. He goes, the boards were snapping in the middle before I could get the joins to come apart. Yeah. He goes, the strength in the joins, he goes, I've never seen it with any other product I've ever laid. He goes, the fact that the boards themselves, like I physically had to force apart to be able to get them out of there where they've locked in. He goes, it was crazy. He goes, and the joins were still intact when I was doing it. He goes, it was a pain in the ass, but (laughs) he goes, it goes to show what a good product that this is. And he goes, this is all I'll be using in this space from now on. Well, I, I laid um, the granny flat at home uh, for crews, used the same colour um, in the 6 and the 9mm. 
Um, and I purposely wanted to lay both. Uh, in the living area where he's got the pool table, he's got a lot more weight. Um, he's going to be dragging his bikes in there. And God knows why he needs his motorbike in his lounge room. But He's a boy, that's what <laughs> I do. <laughs> but anyway, and then we put the six mil in the bedroom because, you know, it's just a three by three cube. He's got his bed in there and that's sort of it. And I even noticed laying the two products, how different they were to lay. The six mil, I could manipulate just with my hands. Um, and I sometimes had to use the tapping block to sort of get it in. If I hit that tapping block too hard or got it on the wrong angle, bang, the click was snapping. Be it on the six mil, I could use the tapping block with a metal mallet and belt it in and it wouldn't break. So even the performance during installation. Now, if during installation the installer doesn't notice that they've cracked that click or whatever and continue on, then over time that can create a stress point as well. Now, I'm not saying that the six mil doesn't work because we sell a lot of it. We sell a ton of it and we get very little issues with it. Correct. But what I'm trying to say... That's more a reflection on your installation capabilities, Michael. Is that what we're trying to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be a professional installer. I'm actually mediocre at best. I understand the practice, but I'm also thinking about 10 other things yeah, while I'm course. laying the floors. Yeah. So for me, you know, using a, a mallet when you're not supposed to just to cut corners... Mm. Um, you know that's that's, that's right. DIY, we just right? Need, we need to just confirm that to, for the people that they're not doing. Any Michael is not a licensed <laughs> installer here. I'm like. not doing any inspections out yeah. at Cedarvale. That's, that's <laughs> exactly right. There'll be no warranty claims in that bedroom. Speaking of young crews, though, it, it, I just I want to do touch on that. We've got um, uh, Beck, who's uh, new to us as well, sort of took over some of Ian ENG's role, who's killing it. Like I was only saying to Michael the other day, you send her an email, you get a response, like. I don't even know the CNG's gone anymore, so... Oh, poor Ian. I do miss him in certain aspects, but she's doing really well. We've had Adam transition from downstairs to upstairs into the order space, going from a warehouse role into a computer role. I know going from laying into sales, how hard that transition from physical labour into the mental side of things can can change, and he's done really well. Amazing job. And then even the way that Cruz has just slotted into the warehouse, like he's always been there, like we're really lucky... At the moment, it's like it is like a good footy team where we've sort of got a production line where we've sort of got if someone goes or someone moves out, you've got someone coming off the bench that's just as good. Um, Next man up mentality, and that's sort of uh, even yeah. the same meeting day from down down in Victoria the other day. Lot we may have we may have lost um, lost a staff member for Dave to have to come in, but then I look at um, the experience, the connections, and the and the knowledge that Dave's going to bring to the team, and I'm like, we don't lose anything. And it's just, we've just keep se- seem to keep getting good people into the right spots. And everyone that's come in has done the job straight away. And I know Michael can't really plug Cruz or anyone too much because he's going to be his harshest critic in that. But for me as a dad of a young boy, like I look at it and I think, geez, if I could have that one day, I'd be stoked. And especially if he came in as well as what Cruz has and just sort of did his job. And like I'll go to leave the warehouse without doing some of my, my paperwork or taking the photo of the product in the back of the van. He's pulling me up as I'm walking out the door and that sort of stuff. So... It is good to see that we've got some nice new staff members on doing their jobs really well and even someone like Adam to transition into his role as well as what he has. I just wanted to make sure they got a wrap. Well, I think that's important because I think that one of the differences, I think, from Clever Choice to, to other businesses is that you've got any questions, head to Yatla, go to the warehouse, go to the front, see the people, see the product, ask the questions, see it in, in function. And I think that's the beauty of the new warehouse and, and showroom, right, is that yep. you can just go there and there's enough people there that have been through the whole business to be able to answer any questions that you've got. Yep. And sure, you're going to get 
excellent service from the business partners. But if you want to go to the source and, and get the, the, the real information, go to the source. And that's what Yatla's about, right? Well, it's one good thing now as well. We've brought in a new phone system where we've got a, a, a tab on our phone where it, it's got product or technical questions um, and they can click that button and it comes straight through to us reps as well. So if they've been to a shop, they've got a quote in our products but they're not 100% sure of something or they're, they're not 100% across something, they can ring us and get the right advice directly from the source over the phone without having to sort of constantly go back to the shop. They can yeah. sort of ring us with a list of questions. I had a bloke the other day, he rang me, he goes, sorry, I've got six questions I need to ask you. This may take a while. <laughs> yep. And I just said to him, I just said, who are you dealing with? And he said, such and such from here. And I was like, brilliant guy, knows his stuff. Don't need to worry about him. His installation teams are good. Like really gave the business the support at the, at the back end as well. But then I sat there and answered all six questions, and he said, "All right, well, I'll ring him up and give him the deposit now." Yeah, perfect. But he, you're not going to be able to get all those six answers as quick from other places as what you are from us directly, which is a good point. And even if they don't come to Yatler, even if they feel like they can pick up the phone and call us and. It's not going to be a trouble and we can just answer all their questions. That's where it becomes a real benefit to our shops as well because they're not getting all the questions. The next phone call they get here, have a couple of thousand bucks or yeah. something like that. So I think that's one thing I, like, I've noticed even lately. Again, there's a couple of uh, cheap imports that have tried to come in and um, I actually had one offer me a job the other day and I don't know what they're trying to achieve, but they, they put out these cheap products that, they come out for a little while, they ultimately fail and then they leave the industry again in a, in a smoke bomb and everyone's left with the, the problems that come afterwards. But I think the biggest thing that I really want to keep pushing, and I you guys do a great job of it in here, is the fact that we like, the way that we support our business partners, like I can't explain how many times in retail that I had like things go wrong. Things always go wrong. There's always going to be something yeah, absolutely. wrong. Yep. But the amount of people that would just walk away from you but then expect you to still... Give them, like, give them business. It shouldn't be like that, but I still think we're undervalued out in the industry as what we do behind the scenes. Like, there's very li little times we'll go to a claim if it's not our fault and we won't help out in some way or some fashion. Yeah. And we've got these stores backs heavily, but the frustrating part at times is that you'll have a cheap imitation come in where they'll set up a stand, you probably won't see them again the stores will then flog this product for the next six months until ultimately it fails. So I think this is... This and then is we get the phone call for the technical advice, okay, how do we fix this? Or how, yeah. how yeah. does this Why come this up with a solution? And I've, seen a, I've seen a shop recently that have just completely stopped selling floating floors because they bought a couple of cheap imitations that ultimately failed and they got no support on the back end. Yeah. But now yeah. we lose business on the back of that because... They've been let down by other people. And we, ultimately... We've never, we've never let them down. We've had their back. But now all of a sudden we get no work out of it because they've taken the easier route with no customer service. And, <laughs> and they've ultimately... Their business is suffering now because they've lost confidence in a category, not just ours, but yeah. all, all hybrids or all laminates or whatever the category is that they've gone down the path of, you know, all businesses want to cr create extra profit, right? That's what we're all in business for. But when you compromise quality for profit, it only goes so long, mm. right? It only goes so far. And what happens is, yes, you make that short-term profit. We spoke about it last week with, um, with Z, right? What your business strategy is. And I think this is where a lot of businesses get confused is they want the long-term strategy, but they want the short-term profit. And, you know, it's very clear from all the meetings, you know, I have consistently with Z, 
that we've got to be clear on your strategy first. Yeah, you for know? sure. And that's what we spoke in depth about last week is if your strategy is to grow, uh, then profits got to take a, a, a back seat. Now, if your business is to be profitable, well, then, you know, you, you got to change the way you do your model. Now, again, by, you know, going down some of those paths where you're buying, you know, and we've all done it. You go, you know, online, Amazon, whatever, and, you know, you see something in the shops for $200 oh, and Amazon you think... Amazon account in the last month. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, plug to Amazon, but any of those online things and think, I can get a $200 item for 10 bucks. Now, come on. We all know that the $200 item, as much as there's probably a fair bit of markup on it, is going to be at a completely different level to the same product you buy at $10. Yep. I, b- I bought a Celtics. The screws don't even screws. They're not even metal. Whatever they are, <laughs> you try and unscrew a screw that is in a $10 product and it just snaps. I bought right? a Celtic singlet recently off Amazon and I wore it the first time. I was like, geez, this thing looks legit. How good. And then I washed it. <laughs> and then the missus come up to me the second time I put it on and she's got a pair of scissors and I was like, what's happened? And she's just grabbed this big bit of string that's come out, chopped it off and she's gone, there you go. And I was like... Okay, okay, probably should have just spent the 180. Yeah, yeah. so I think, you know, quality is definitely important and that's what we try and provide. We try and provide quality product at reasonable pricing, but more importantly, it's the service that we provide. It's the limited distribution. You know, we're, we're a unique supplier in that we're not ambitious in the way that we want to have our products in every single shop in, in Australia. You know, we're very uh, selective on who we deal with. We like to give our stores limited distribution uh, areas. Uh, and a lot of stores value this. A lot of our business partners value that you just can't get clever product everywhere. They value that we come in and actually do training sessions, you know, book our appointments and do all the, the things that they actually want. It's just disappointing at times when you go in and you've built that relationship, you've built that brand, you've trained all the salespeople, and then the door is open for, I guess, another um, supplier to come in and cut your margin. There's always going to be that, though. Oh, so what you've got to hope is that the relationships that people like Greg and yourself when you're out in the, in the stores that are building can supersede that. And, and look, generally it does. Yeah. And I think that you've just got to have ultimate faith in what you're doing is the right thing. And I yeah. think that's correct. I think that comes around strategies and um, building plans and that sort of thing as well. Like a lot of people will ring me on a Friday and they go, what are you up to? And I'll, I'm working from home. And they go, oh, okay, we're working from home, are we? <laughs> but th- that's when, like, I'll sit back and reflect on the week that was and I'm like, geez, we were down this week. What's going wrong here? Like, or, geez, we've had a killer week. What have, I, what have we been doing differently recently that sort of picked this right back up again? And I think that's, like, I even rang Michael the other day and said, we've got a couple of new cheap imitators out and that sort of stuff, so... We might want to look at doing this or there's more training around the product. So next few visits, this is what I'm going to be doing and that sort of thing. So we're all forever thinking on our feet and adding value, adding value yeah. and that, that sort of thing. And that's I think that's where we'll end up out doing them. As you say, over time they'll fall apart and we'll still be there. But yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, just in the meantime, I think yeah, people need to remember the fact that we're all we're here. We're always going to be here. We've always been there. Whereas I can tell you that every single shop that rings me up to put their product, my products in there. I'll go and interview them. I said, I'll see the same five, six that are in every single shop everywhere. And I'll be like, not interested here, sorry. It yeah. blows people's minds. Like, I had a store ring me the other day and they're like, oh, I need, I want to buy uh, 100 metres of, of your product. And I'm like, well, you can't. You're going to have to get them to go to XYZ. And they're like, I'm not going to send them to another shop to buy it. I said, well, do you have any of my stands in the shop? No. Do you have any of my 
and swatches in your car? No. So where have you got this lead from? Oh, well, and, oh, oh, they've already got some down at the house. That's what I get every time. Or they, yeah. or they just want to add on or they just want to do this. And I was like, if they want to do that, go back to the shop that did originally. Yeah. If they want to add on, they're pretty happy with the service they got originally. So go back to where you got it originally. Don't. That's just how it is. Yeah. And people like, so you're just going to throw away the money. It's not about. No, it's I'm not going to throw the away money. the money. Uh, this is about more for me than money. Yeah. And essentially, I'm not throwing away a hundred square meters. With someone like Jimmy, I'm, if I go up against him from across the road, who reaches out to me almost weekly, it's not just a hundred square meters I'm losing from the other store. It's potentially a thousand, Thousands. a couple of thousand square meters yeah. a year that I'm losing off Jimmy. Like, and many of our other um, stores who who value. Our limited distribution. Yeah. Who value that, okay, they can also um, push the Clever brand and know that they've got a good radius and that they're not going to be able to just go next door and be price match. And then they can build extra profit into the product. You know, and this is what good sales stores do. Yeah. You know, they look at all the ad value that we give them, you know, the training, the limited distribution, and they add that into the profit of the store. Anyone can just go out and be cheaper than the next person, right? It doesn't take a good salesman to do that. It no. just takes someone that doesn't care about profit, right? Anyone can do that. Where you see the great stores, uh, the ones that are very successful, you know, and we've had a, a fair few of them on this podcast now, are the ones that sell their ad value, their professional installation, that they're picking, you know, the nine mil over the six mil and the reasons why and all that education, you know, is the reason why you have successful businesses that grow. Um, again, we've you know, spoken about how you can short-term grow and by all means dropping profits and things like yeah. that, but it's not a long-term no, business I think, solution. I think I, in, from my experience, Clever Choice is a long-term proposition, right? And the relationships you're building with your partners are long-term and it's for, yep. the, it's for the benefit not only of Clever Choice but the benefit of your business partner, which is then the benefit of the industry. Correct. Which and I think ultimately is ultimately the customer getting abso- the best absolutely. job done. And, and they win in the end. And yep. I think that... Look, honestly, I think that's an awesome place to leave it. We've spoken more about Clever Choice today than we have in 20 previous episodes. and But it was really good. And I think if we take anything away, the five Ps. Preparation prevents piss-poor performance. Yep. Right? So make sure when you go into your stores and you're looking for any product, make sure they're prepping properly. That's all it's about. That's all I keep hearing. Preparation, preparation, preparation. Greg, as always, an absolute joy. Apart from when we spoke about Manly. Rodman back onto the bench. Rodman, you're out. I'm done. You're out. And, and I think it's a, another 15 apps will be back, okay? It definitely wasn't as nerve-wracking as the first time. Mate, you sure. crushed it. You <laughs> crushed it. Okay, we finish every episode, apparently, as I've just been reminded by my law co-host here with the Fast Five. So, Greg, are you ready? Yes. Okay, beach or bush? Beach. What do you prefer? Beach. Beach, a good choice. Beach every day. Grew up at the beach. Wish I was still at the beach. Yeah. You had one movie to watch for the rest of your life. Castaway. Ooh. Okay. Wow. Goes with the beach. Yep. I do love Castaway. I've always wanted to go on Survivor, so. Oh, how good. So, me too. That I'd, One of my partner's best friends actually got interviewed for it. She was on that Outback Truckers show. Oh, right. And uh, she got interviewed to go on Survivor. And she came around and she told me, I was like, yeah, I've been lady, tempt- I swear to God, if you get on this thing, I'm going to be off you. Yeah. I've been very tempted to, uh, to reply. All about it, but yeah, Castaway. We actually watched it the other night. My missus said, "Oh, this will be this, okay. this will be you all over." All right, Wilson. Spray on or roll on, Dad? Spray on. Spray on. Really? Yeah, I'm a roll on guy. Yeah, I'm roll on. 
I know despite how hairy I am, I don't really sweat that much, so it doesn't really become an issue. I don't have like a BO issue or anything like that. I've been quite lucky there, so Yeah, lucky. Good looks. I no feel BO bad. Issues. I feel bad for the people with <laughs> you, <laughs> mate, what a catch. What a catch. What a catch. Home or abroad, you want to travel? Your destination would be stay in Australia, go overseas. Oh, See, me and my partner are very different in this sense. She likes to, she wants to go to the cold, whereas I want to go to the beach. So I think eventually, because we had Christian quite young, once we get out onto the travel scene, we will go abroad. But I think we're definitely going to have to do a few trips because she's going to want to go to Canada and um, play. She's skier or for that reason or uh, just likes the cold? No, she, she, she loves scenery and and things like that, she'll take in like a beautiful landscape. Whereas for me, I just want to swim and yeah, shoot fish and catch fish and sit on the beach. She yeah. hates sand. I love sand. Yeah, she, I don't really like the cold. She likes the cold. So we'll have to do a few trips. But yeah, I definitely think abroad. I do. We've always wanted to travel around Australia as well too. I would love to do that in a caravan at one point. Um, just because I think there's so much that you could see and do and. As we go up and around the top, I think I'd be pretty happy. And then as we come back around the bottom, she'd be pretty happy. And mm, we'd end perfect. up back at home with her happy at the end of it. So. There you go. Exactly. But happy wife. Yeah, it's hard. I don't, I don't, haven't really thought too much about it. But yeah, I, th- I definitely think we'll do some trips abroad. But I would like to get around the whole thing at Absolutely. some point as well. Okay. Well, you sat squarely in the middle there. So well done. Yeah, sat on the fence. Okay. What sport couldn't you do without? Rugby league now. Yeah. For a long time, it was cricket. Like, I was quite a good cricketer. So I I used to watch every game of cricket. I'd sit there for five days of every test, as yeah. much as Michael doesn't think that that's something that you would do. I couldn't yeah. think of anything Yeah, worse. when I was younger, definitely cricket. I couldn't have lived without cricket, whereas as wow. I get older now, I barely watch cricket unless it is like the Ashes or I'll go to a, a, a T20 game or something every now and again, but definitely rugby league now. Yeah. They're pretty good. Bronx. I could live without watching the third match of uh, the State of Origin, I can <laughs> tell you. I don't think I'm going to watch Could it. have done without the first two, I don't <laughs> imagine. Yeah. yeah, they were pretty crook. They were pretty crook. I mean, is that four or five? I think it's five. Five what? That was five questions? Four. Yeah, four. That's, that's five. Bush, beach, favourite movies, spray on, roll on, home and abroad, well, or what five. sport could you do without? Like well, there's, a, there's, the fast, <laughs> there's the fast five for this episode of uh, The Underlay. Well done, Greg. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, people. Go make some money. We'll hear you again in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Underlay. If you want to hear more, follow us on all good podcast platforms.